This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. In Jesus' name and everyone said, Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You guys can be seated this morning. Um, we're continuing our series this morning that we're calling Love Does. Let me give Leo his clear glasses so I don't step on them and shatter them. Um, we're continuing our series this morning that we're calling Love Does. We've started it uh, two weeks ago. Today is week three. And um, we're essentially answering the question, what does it look like to put love in action? What does it look like to, to live love? Because we talk about love all the time. We talk about conceptually about love. We talk, the, the scriptures talk about love all the time. And it's lovey, 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 lovey all the time. But what does it look like to actually live this out? What does it look like to put feet on this thing and live love? And so we thought, you know, let's focus on Micah 6, 8. There's a passage in the book of Micah that's in chapter 6, verse 8, and it kind of gives us a guideline for our, our uh, series that we're in. And so it, it says this, it says, And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. What does the Lord require of you? The Lord requires of you to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. And so we launched this series talking about doing justice. And Rich, our youth pastor, uh, shared two weeks ago, and he really hit on these two kind of paramount concepts that were um, empathy and proximity. He said, in order to do justice, it's very important to embrace and understand empathy and proximity and put those to work. And so if, you're, if you want more details and want to fill in the gaps of anything that we've talked about, you can check out our podcast, centralchurch.cc slash podcast, and you can check out all of what Rich had to say. It was really, really insightful, really powerful, really cool. And then last week, after hitting do justice, we said, love mercy. And we talked about this concept of loving mercy and how justice is something we talk about all the time in our culture and our 2017 American perspective. Justice is a term that flies around a lot, but mercy, not so much right? Mercy is something that's a little more scarce in our everyday dialogue. And so we talked about loving mercy and how we need to receive the mercy of God and then reflect the mercy of God. Step one is receiving it, realizing how much mercy that we are shown by the creator. And then once we realize that, recognize that, embrace that, and allow that to change us, then we begin to give it to others. And so we talked about that. And again, catch up on the podcast if you miss it. But today, we're going to talk about walking humbly, taking up a posture of humility. And so some of you in this room uh, know my parents, right? My mom passed away a few years ago, but before that, they were super involved here at the church. And so many of you guys know them. You know how absolutely crazy they are. Um, if you don't know them, just know this. The fact that I contribute whatsoever to society in a positive way is a proof that miracles happen, okay? Because my parents are bananas, like bananas, like crazy, crazy. Sometimes I look at them and I think, how? How did this, how am I still alive? How am I married? How do I have children? How did this happen in my life? Because I look at them and think they are nuts, they are absolutely crazy. But in all their craziness, they were really awesome as well. And something that really stands out to me about my parents and, and their life, with all the craziness, with all the whatever, 
my parents both had an extreme uh, knack for serving others. They had a servant's heart. They were just, they, they, they served any way and every way possible my entire life. They were always plugged into churches, always serving, always helping, always volunteering, always plugged into the community, volunteering and serving and helping all the time. And it was such a thing, it was so crazy that I thought that that was just the norm for Christianity. And you guys know the types, right? We have, we have people in, in our faith community that we see all the time that are consistently serving. We got the Don Elliott's. Where's Don Elliott right now? Where is he? Don. Raise your hand, Don. This is Don. Don's the freaking man, Okay. If you like look up in the dictionary, the freaking man, it's a picture of Don, okay? Dictionary.com, type in the freaking man, it's Don Elliott, okay? Uh, Don is the man, and he serves in so many capacities around this church. Don was, he's actually told me stories that he was one of the dudes in his uh, younger years that was hanging from the rafters, putting these wood beams in this sanctuary, right? Like your parents were one of the founding people of this church back in like 1876 or whatever it was, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, right, so Don, but Don serves in multiple capacities. If you enter in this door, or you've ever entered in this door, you've seen Don smiling through his mustache at you, right? I mean, he is, like, consistent, and he is there, and he serves all over the place all the time. He's just got this servant's heart. You guys know the types, or, or you know, the Carmen Colognes. If you have a child at this church, you know who Carmen Cologne is. Carmen is our kids pastor, and she just has such a servant's heart, and she never wants recognition. And anytime I'm like, I'm like, Carmen, I just appreciate you so much. Her tan skin turns super red, like redder than I knew it could, and she's just like, right? So like, she wants no recognition for all of this stuff, but it's just incredible to see her servant's heart. Then you got like the Bob and Lori's. Where's Bob and Lori? Raise your hand, Bob and Lori. They, this, is, this is fun for me because it tortures them right? They're like, oh God, oh Lord, no. But Bob and Lori serve like crazy behind the scenes. Hence why raising their hand like this is so terrible because I'm giving them public recognition. But they are phenomenal and they have a servant's heart and they jump to the opportunity to serve any way and every way possible. And they're consistently looking for ways to serve others. And I'm not, that's not all that we have in this room. But if I talked about all the servants in this room, uh, I wouldn't talk about anything else today, right? But we have so many people that we know in our lives that have these servants' hearts. And so growing up, with my parents, always looking for ways to serve, always looking for ways to help others, always looking for ways to bless others. I thought that was the cultural norm for Christianity. I thought all Christians were like that. I thought that just came with the territory. You follow Jesus and you have a servant's heart. You're humble. You, you look for ways to help others. And I thought that until I realized that I was so wrong, that that is not the norm and that is not the perspective of people, especially that are outside of the church. Right? I was so clueless and had no idea. I think it happened when I went to Bible college, honestly. Got to Bible college and I was like, wow, this is not the, the stance of, of everybody. Everybody doesn't serve others and help others and do all this stuff all the time and very you know, others focused. And it blew my mind because so many people, they use Christianity as a superiority rather than a, a, a service opportunity. Right? So many people use their faith as like a, well, I'm going to heaven. Where are you spending eternity? Probably hell. And it's like, well, what? What? They use this Christianity thing as like a superiority thing rather than a service opportunity. They, they, they treat church like it's a place that exists to serve them, right? They jump around dancing and looking for all these different churches, looking for the one that's going to serve them the best rather than actually realizing that they are the church and they should look for ways to serve others. 
They come to a building looking for the church to serve them. And it's this like consumeristic mentality. So many people are seeking success and greatness and authority and power and advantage all through the lens of Christianity. And then social media. This is like a whole other thing that I could just talk about. This idea of famous pastors and famous Christian people and, uh, you know, these idolized uh, followers of Jesus. You got the hipster pastors, right? You guys know who I'm talking about? There was just this thing put out by, like, BuzzFeed, I think, that is absolutely hilarious with Justin Bieber and these hipster pastors. Did you, anybody see that? And they do the editing like they did for all the Donald Trump videos. Do you guys remember those where, like, he hits the microphone, it's like, and they, No. You don't know what I'm talking about? And they made him for Jeb Bush and everything. It was hilarious. Guys, wake up. Are you guys all old people? Is that what's going on here? Is our church getting old? Okay. I'll start making more culturally uh, relevant uh, examples then, I guess. Bunch of old farts here. What'd you guys do Friday night? Go to bed at eight o'clock? Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. I got to start looking for another church. Um, No, I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, you got these, these, these people, the, the Christian culture in America has become this thing where we try to like, we're monetizing sermons, right? We preach a sermon and then we sell our notes and we sell the videos for people to watch our stuff or we sell, you know, we monetize our songs, we monetize our conferences, we monetize our podcasts and our albums and there's churches that have merch lines. Like how, how, how crazy is that? They have merch lines where like they sell socks and, and shorts and shirts and hats and have these like online stores with all that. It's just like, what? This has become sort of the desired culture in, in North American church. And I'm like, how, how, how did we look at this and say, oh yeah, this is what Jesus wants me to do. And then do that. It's crazy to me. It's crazy to me. And so I'm sitting back thinking, what does Jesus think about all of this? What do scriptures say about all of this? How are we supposed to respond to all of this? And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not sitting here drinking the haterade, right? I'm not sitting here like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna hate on everybody and they all suck because they're not me. I'm just object, objectively observing and saying, the way things are and the way the Bible says that things should be, there's a chasm there, right? There's a difference there. And so how do we sort of make that leap to be more aligned with this and less aligned with like being internet famous, right? And so this morning, I kind of want to look at this concept and this idea of walking humbly, this idea of humility and what's laid out in Micah 6, 8, where it says, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly. I want to see kind of what Jesus says about that. And hopefully we can take something away and it can, it can grow us to be a more humble follower of Christ. So let's pray together and then we'll jump in. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the time that we get to come together and sing songs of praise and adoration to you. Thank you for the opportunity we have to just hang out with our friends, hang out with our brothers and sisters in Christ, hang out with like-minded people who are just seeking you. God, I pray this morning, as we open your word and we allow it to speak truth to us, I pray that you would soften our hearts and that you'd open our minds, that you would make us receptive to the truth you have for us today. I pray this morning as as we dive in, I pray that the Holy Spirit would cultivate the soil of our hearts and make us soft soil so that the seeds that are planted today will take root and grow in our lives. God, we love you, we praise you, we adore you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. So Micah 6, 8 is sort of the baseline for our discussions, right? Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with our God, right? And so we're pausing at the the walk humbly part, 
the be humble, sit down, right? That's the part that we're going with. Again, if you don't know what that is, I might need to go find a new church, okay? I might be becoming culturally irrelevant here. Um, yeah, we actually had a big argument about uh, uh, him this morning, and I just said he's the modern-day Easy e and I just can't get with it, you know? And so some of you might leave the church over that, but that's okay. I just I can't get with it. Um, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly. Stop talking about Kendrick Lamar. Jesus had to deal with this even with his disciples, Jesus had to come back at it with his disciples. These are the dudes that are hanging out with Jesus nonstop, right? These are the guys that have the dirt from his sandals on them. They are following him everywhere. Where he goes, they go. Where he eats, they eat. Where he sleeps, they sleep. Where he goes to the bathroom, they go to the bathroom. I mean, they are with this guy. And Jesus is having to deal with them about humility. In uh, Mark chapter 9, verses 33 through 35, right? And so these guys are arguing with each other of who's going to be the greatest, who's going to be the best, how this is all going to play out. You know, Jesus is like this Messiah and the king and doing all this stuff. And so these guys are arguing about it. And so in Mark chapter 9, verse 33, it says this. It says, they came to Capernaum where, or when he went in the house, he asked them, what were you guys arguing about on the road? Because they were walking there and they're all like, oh man, I'm going to be the greatest. You're gonna be the greatest. This is going to be the greatest. This is what you got to do to be the greatest. And, and, uh, but they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Isn't that funny? Like, don't friends do that all the time? Like, nah, man, I could totally beat you in that. No, I could beat you. No, I'm the greatest. And then it kind of gets a little serious and then you got to kind of take a break for a little while. Or is that just me and my friends? No, okay. Um, and so, you know, they were arguing about who's the greatest. In verse 35, sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. He says, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. He says, you want to be great? You want to be mighty? You want to be powerful? You want to be first? then seek the lowest, lowliest position you can seek. Be humble. Sit down. It's essentially what he says. I'm snapping there instead, okay? But that's essentially what he says. He says, you want to be the greatest? You need to seek the lowly position of a servant. And here's the problem. We make being a servant sound sexy in modern-day church, Right? We got these guys that are like, oh, I'm just a servant of the Lord, hallelujah. Got the biggest church in the country and driving home my 2017 Escalade to my giant mansion that has 13 bedrooms and 18 bathrooms. Just a humble servant of the Lord. That's so twisted. We got these bishops that are like, you know, kiss my pinky ring and all this stuff and got entourages and armor bearers and bodyguards. Bro, you're a pastor. But I'm just a servant of the Lord. Guys, when this was written, that's not what they meant. They didn't mean you get to be a servant of the Lord and therefore you're better than everybody. Therefore you're elevated and everybody can take turns taking you out to lunch on Sundays. That is not what this means when it says be a servant. We make it sound all sexy in our Christian churches, but guys, being a servant sounds exactly like it is a servant and it sucks. Right? The, the, the Greek word oftentimes is used for a servant is this Greek word called doulos. And doulos is also used as a terminology for a bond slave. Essentially like an indentured servant, a slave to people. And Jesus says, you want to be greatest? Get to the lowest of the low. That's how my kingdom works. That's how my economy works. That's how my politics work. 
It's not about conquering all and being the greatest and the best. And number one, Jesus says to his disciples who are arguing over this, he's like, listen, man, that's not it. The servant is the lowest of the social standing. Like they had servants to wash guests' feet feet when they entered the house. That was like the most socially awkward, terrible thing you could do. That's what servants did. And Jesus says, you want to be the greatest? Then be a servant. You want to be the greatest? Get as many followers on Instagram as possible. No, he says, you want to be the greatest? You want to be the greatest? Go love on people that nobody else is loving on. Go serve people that nobody else is serving. Go give worth to people who feel worthless. Go give hope to people who feel hopeless. You want to be the greatest? Be a servant. And Jesus didn't just tell his followers to do this and be like, you know, you guys go do that while I sit in my mansion and drive my Escalade with my armor bearer sitting next to me holding my Bible, right? Jesus lived this as well. He exemplified it. He taught it. He lived it. In Mark chapter 10, just the very next chapter, um, in verses 42 through 45, um, this is, this is uh, a mother comes to Jesus and she's asking him and she's saying, hey, listen, when you get to heaven and you enter your throne and all the kingdom and everything, can my sons sit on your right and left? You know, can they be in, which is the highest possible position, right? You got the king sitting on the throne and then the right and the left are like the two top advisors and the top whatever. They are like the greatest in all definitions of the term for this lady. And so in Jesus' response, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who were regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and the high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Guys, There's zero ambiguity here, right? This is not one of those passages that you can put like Bill Nye and Ken Ham on stage and let them argue it out, right? There's there's nothing dicey here. He says straight up, he's like, listen, even the son of man did not come to be served. He came to serve. And we've shown pictures of Jesus breakdancing at this moment in prior services and no one laughed because you were probably all offended, but I still mentioned it because I think it's the best thing on the internet. (laughs) But Jesus comes and he says, listen, I didn't come to be served. You shouldn't consider yourselves eligible to be served. If you want to follow me and be a Christ follower, then you need to serve others. As Christ followers, we are to serve, not be served. As a Christ follower, we are called to walk humbly. Micah 6 eight says, what is required of you? To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. And see, this all got twisted around 400 CE. If you know anything about history and all that sort of thing, it all got twisted right around 400 years after Christ walked the earth. There was this dude named Constantine who came in and tried to like marry this concept of faith and the state. And he like sort of politicized Christianity and used it as like with this, this empire thing of like he's a chosen by God. And so he, he married this concept of following Jesus, what is outlined in scripture, to this concept of politics and government and the Greco-Roman empire. And so when this happened, what it did is it traded servants for soldiers and conquerors. I mean, this happened way, 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 way back in the day. They traded their servitude for being soldiers and conquerors saying, oh, well, you know, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Let's go out there and conquer everybody. That's what Jesus wants. 
hit the brakes, Brad. Hit the brakes. Jesus says, no, no, no. The Son of Man didn't come to be served. He came to serve. So we traded this idea of, of being servants for soldiers. We traded the way of Jesus for the way of the empire. And this happened all the way back in 400 CE. And there's just been series of events after series of events after series of events that have led us to where we are today in our Western American perspective. We're just like we were back in 400 CE where we're like, oh yeah, America's the greatest country in the world. Let's go dominate the world and show them, you know, the love of Jesus while we're doing it. Somehow we marry these two concepts and I don't get it. And so many churches in America do the same thing. They, 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 they marry this idea that, you know, the church is the Republican Party and the Republican Party is the church. It's like, what? How in the world? How in the world do you get that from this? Jesus is all over the place, anti-empirical, anti-the empire. He's saying, no, we're not soldiers, we're not conquerors, we're servants. That's what we're called to do. You want to change culture? Start serving people. You want to change the world? Start walking humbly and serving people. Stop trying to win political arguments on Facebook. Serve somebody. Love somebody. That's what this says. But somehow we've gotten it so, so twisted. So how do we make this jump, though? Because it's like, all right, Sam, it really does sound like you're drinking the haterade. Listen, I'm not. I'm not hating. I'm just saying, guys, we need to kind of wake up and look around and see the state of our affairs, see the state of our church as a whole, the Christianity as a whole, and say, guys, are we the biggest servants even in our country? Much less the world. Are Christians the biggest servants here in our country? Or is it like the hipster millennials? Because if we're being honest, it's probably the hipster millennials. jab to you. But it's the truth, man. So how do we make this jump from being like, oh, I'm a Christian, serve me, I'm holy and wonderful, and you're all probably going to hell, so I'm better than you. How do we make the jump from that, right? Obviously, I'm being sarcastic, but how do we make this jump from being a self-seeking, self-serving, consumeristic culture to being the servants of the world, serving everyone all the time, walking humbly, doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly. How do we make that jump? See, I think it's outlined, again, in Scripture. <laughs> what a place to look, huh? In the book of James, James is writing this letter. It's like, if it were modern day, it'd be like an open letter, right? You know how people write, this is an open letter to the president, an open letter to Taylor Swift, or whatever. So James is writing this open letter, right? And he's writing it to like the 12 tribes of Judah that are scattered amongst the lands, is what the Bible says. Essentially, he's writing to everybody, right? He's saying, listen, here's the deal. If you follow Jesus, this is what's up, right? This is how it's done. This is how we roll. And so in James chapter four, verses six through 10, he lays it out there. He says, this is one of my favorite phrases in the whole Bible, in James chapter four, where it says, but he gives us more grace, let that sink in for just a second. That is so life-giving. That is so energizing. And it applies to, <laughs> to everything. But he gives us more grace. That is why scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up.
I feel like there's kind of a, a, a um, sort of formula for us to take from that. To jump from this perspective of self-serving, you know, 2017 America to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. He starts off saying, listen, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The first step, the first thing that we need to realize is that we need to recognize and understand God's heart for humility. It says that God opposes the proud. You know what you don't want to be? Something that God is opposing, right? If you want anybody on your team, it's probably that guy, if I had to guess. God says I, he opposes, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So understanding God's heart in this idea of pride and humility and saying God really, truly, honestly, openly desires humility for us. That's what he's designed us for. That's what he's called us to. And so the first step is recognizing God's heart for that. It's not just Sam up here saying, be humble, sit down. And it's not Kendrick Lamar saying, be humble, sit down. No, it's God saying, God opposes the, the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Be humble. That's God's heart for us. And then it goes on and it says, submit yourselves then to God. We talked a little bit about this last week, but, but humility in essence, humility is understanding who we are in light of who God is. It's recognizing how great and grand and mighty and majestic and magnificent and humongous God is and then us. And that should keep us in a posture of humility and dependence on him. Realizing that every breath we take comes from him. Everything that we have comes from him. We talked about that a little bit last week in mercy. But humility is along the same lines as mercy and, and grace and all this stuff. And so it's recognizing who we are in light of God. So he says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So since he gives grace to the humble, then submit yourselves then to God. Lean into God, right? He says, come near to God and God will come near to you right after that. So he says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So the first thing is we need to recognize our perspective, recognize God's heart for humility. And then he says, submit yourselves then to God. We need to recognize who we are in light of who God is. And then it says, come near to God and he will come near to you. God reciprocates our closeness. You know how cool that is? The creator of the universe, God, over everything. His word says that if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. He'll meet us in the middle. He'll meet us halfway. He'll come to us as we come to him. And so it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. His heart is for us to be humble. And then, and then it says, submit yourselves then to God. Realize who you are in light of who God is. And once you recognize that, draw near to him. Once you realize that he's huge and, and your dependency is on him and your life is in and through him, then come near to him. And when you do, he's not going to be like, uh, no, talk to the hand, right? That's not going to happen. When we draw near to God, God draws near to us. So when we come to him, he comes back with arms wide open, with arms wide open, and just comes right at us, right? Creed was onto something there. No, they weren't. Creed was onto nothing ever. <laughs> Why do I say those things? And then he ends this passage. Stay with James, Sam. Stay with James. And then he ends the passage with humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Humility first. You know, you want to advance at work? Humility first. 
You want to be the hands and feet of Jesus? Humility first. You want to be great in the kingdom of God? Humility first. And see, I'm not drinking haterade because here's, here's the reality. Rich and famous people, they need pastors too, right? These people need Jesus too. And so if you are able to humble yourself and God decides to elevate you to that level and to where you're doing those sorts of things, awesome. But humility first, that's the key. That's where we're going to have disagreements if we're not on the same page there. And so in James, he's saying, listen, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Recognize God, God's heart for humility. And he says, once you recognize God's heart for humility, submit yourselves then to God. Recognize he's huge, you're little, lean into him. And when you do that, he says, come near to God and God will come near to you. When you recognize who he is and who you are in light of that, come near to God and he will embrace you and bring you in. And then it says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. As you lean into him, as you're humbly following him and seeking him and he's embracing you, then he will place you where he wants you to be. He will put you in the spheres of influence that he wants you to influence. He will put you in the paths of people that he wants you to impact. He will put you at the job that he wants you at. He will put you in the family that he desires you to be in. Humble first, and then God will lift you up. And it's totally different than our cultural way of thinking here in, like I said, again, in 2017, America. But to make the leap from that to this, we've got to recognize God's heart for humility. We've got to recognize who we are in light of who God is. We've got to lean into God and allow him to lean into us. And then we need to humble ourselves first and allow him to lift us up. And so some of us in here this morning We need to sort of recognize God's heart for humility. We need to sort of wrap our heads around this in a real practical way of saying, man, God desires humility above pride and above you know, um, accolades and above accomplishments and achievements and all of these things. God desires humility. His heart is for humility. It says that God opposes the, prou- opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And so maybe you're in here this morning and you just need to wrap your head around that for a few minutes. You just need to chew on that and say, whoa, man, maybe I've had this thing backwards. Maybe I've been going about this the wrong way. I thought, you know, I had to do this, do that, and got a list of marching orders from Jesus and I'm gonna accomplish those marching orders then he's gonna love me more. It's like, no, man. So maybe you need to just back up and kind of let that soak in, recognize and realize God's heart for humility. Maybe you're in here this morning And you need to recognize who you are in light of who God is. You know? Maybe your perspective is that this is your world and we all just live in it. You know? And we don't like to admit it, but the reality is our actions sometimes speak otherwise. So maybe we need to back up a little bit and say, well, wait a second. God, me. God, me. And kind of recognize who we are in light of who God is. And what, you know, how that all kind of shakes down and comes out and and realize that we are completely dependent on him, on his leadership, on his guidance, on his love, on his grace, on his mercy. Maybe you're in here this morning and you kind of get that, but you need to lean into God. You need to draw near to him. Maybe you've always been at arm's length and you're like, yeah, I go to church on Sundays or yeah, they got good donuts, so I'll go hang out or whatever. Oh yeah, the pastor quotes Kendrick Lamar every once in a while, so I'll stick around. 
Maybe you've been at arm's length, but I want to encourage you and challenge you. Maybe you need to lean in. Maybe you need to draw near to God because he's standing there waiting. He's like, come on, baby, let's do this. Lean into me because I want to lean into you. I want to do this thing, man. And he's waiting and you're just like, yeah, I'm good right now, man. You're like, you're like Jesus juking him a little bit, right? You're like, "Mm -hmm," you know, trying to stay out of the way. Maybe this morning you need to kind of lean into God, take up a posture of dependency rather than a posture of pride. When you recognize who he is and who you are in light of that, all your personal accomplishments and accolades and everything, they become a little diminished. And you need to kind of maybe back up and say, whoa, yeah, yeah, this, this is you. <laughs> this is you, holy crap, this is, this is you. And so maybe we need to do that this morning. But wherever we are in the spectrum, wherever we are in all of this, all of us need to seek humility first. All of us need to seek humility first and then God will lift you up. God will place you. God will use you. God will lead you. God will guide you. God will direct you. But seeking humility first and then allowing him to do the work. All of us need a second to kind of let that soak in. And so we've carved out a little bit of time for you to do business with God this morning, wherever you are. If you need to recognize and realize God's heart for humility, you need to recognize who you are in light of who God is, you need to lean into God, or you just need to focus on humility first. We want to give you the opportunity to do that. So the band's going to lead us in another song. And as we do that, I want you to do business with God. I want you to say, God, you know, some of that stuff he said was kind of stupid, but the other stuff, you know where I'm at. And so I want you to connect with God. I want you to engage and encounter God, just like James says, as you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. And so we want to give you that opportunity this morning. So let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for the challenge and the encouragement for us to walk humbly, for us to seek humility, thank you for the invitation that as we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. What an honor that is in the first place. So God, this morning, as we seek you, as we do business with you, as we wrap our heads around this idea and this concept of humility and, and your heart for the humility that you oppose the proud but give grace to the humble God, I pray that we would be a humble people. I pray that we would yield to you. I pray that in our journey of following you and who you've created and crafted us to be, that we will consistently put others first. We will consistently look for ways to serve others rather than being served. That we would follow in your footsteps where you lead us. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe.